Welcome to Team Pete's Talks, a podcast series brought to you by the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners, NAPNAP, featuring experts and stakeholders addressing key issues in pediatric health. Throughout 2023, NAPNAP is celebrating our 50th anniversary and our place in history as the first National Nurse Practitioner Society. As part of our anniversary celebration themed 50 Forward, we are thrilled to share this new Team Peds Talks podcast series, 50 Forward, Forging Our Future. Join us as we look back at some highlights of our profession and as we look forward to the future of pediatric nurse practitioners. This special series is hosted by myself, Dr. Jessica Peck. I am a clinical professor of nursing at Baylor University, past president of NAPNAP, and mom of four. And I am joined by my amazing co-host, Dr. Tedra Smith. Tedra, introduce yourself. I am delighted to be here. I'm Dr. Tedra Smith, a certified pediatric nurse practitioner. I'm an associate professor at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I am a mom of two, and I'm delighted to be a part of our series. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we are going to be talking about the future of immunization advocacy. Listen, I almost couldn't sleep last night. I was so excited about this guest we have lined up for you. We have the one, the only, the Dr. Mary Koslat Petraco. She is, you know her, you know her. If you've been to a NAPNAP conference, you know her. She is one of our most popular speakers. She is a clinical assistant professor at Stony Brook University School of Nursing in Stony Brook, New York. She is a nurse consultant for immunize.org. She is a primary care provider in her own private practice after working for Suffolk County Department of Health Services for 30 years. She serves on so many national committees on immunization practice. She speaks across the state and the nation and the world, and she has been the NAPNAP plenary immunization speaker for the past 10 years. Mary, welcome to Team Pete's Talks. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. I'm just delighted to be invited. Anytime I can speak to our members and anybody else who's willing to listen to me, I'm happy to do. Well, I want to tell everyone listening, buckle in. This is going to be a lot of fun. I am sure you never fail to entertain. And I think that's what makes you such a powerful advocate because you know your stuff. You are so strong, but you, people also like you. How do you accomplish that? <laughs> well, honestly, that's my goal. I really, you know, I went to Catholic school and uh, they always taught us you want to teach everybody to like you. So you want to be kind to everybody and reach out to them and make everyone feel welcome. And that's kind of the way I look at this. So um, it's just making everybody feel comfortable. And this can be very dry stuff. I mean, I've been to some lectures where you could fall asleep and they would need, you'd need sandbags or something to wake <laughs> you up from them. But if I make it fun and I tell you a story, then you're going to remember the right thing to do for the children that we're so privileged to serve. Well, speaking of stories, you have a great one. You have a almost lifelong journey. I mean, pretty much your entire professional life has revolved around being an, a vaccine advocate. Tell us about your journey, Mary. Tell us where you started and then take us all the way up to COVID. Well, it is a lifelong journey, but my vaccine journey started when I worked for the health department. So let me tell you, I'm a dinosaur. I've worked my, my journey is a heck of a lot longer than that. But 
immunizations kind of always was in and out of my memory because I was one of those little children a bazillion years ago who went to the child health clinics and got their vaccines because my parents didn't have any money to take me to a physician. But I never in a million years thought that that history would bring me to where I am today. But I actually started, um, I'm sure you all remember President Bill Clinton, who started the immunization program in uh, 1993. And that's when the Vaccines for Children program was born. And I was lucky enough to be working for the health department. I just had finished my master's degree in pediatric nurse to be a pediatric nurse practitioner. And the commissioner looked down the list of people who were reachable and she saw me and I was the only PNP who she felt could do the job. So she called me into her office and she said, listen, we just got this big grant. I'm throwing it in your lap. You have to uh, um, develop this. We want to get the vaccine rates up in Suffolk County. She said, I know you can do it. And that was the only direction she gave me. So she gave me a a small staff. I had a lovely um, bilingual um, nursing assistant who helped me set up um, immunization sites in churches, bodegas, you name it, we were in there. (laughs) And um, I speak, I I mean, I used to speak fractured Spanish, but now I speak enough, you know, I picked up my high school Spanish again so that I could speak with the patients without having to use Carmen to translate for everything. And we just kind of moved our little selves into all of these places. And the word kind of got out there. Um, the patients were always comfortable with the health department clinics because they knew we were safe. It was when El Salvador was being blown off the face of the earth and they came up here and the health department didn't ask any questions. Just bring us your babies. We'll take care of your babies. So they came and we got the word out through the church, the local churches, the local civic associations that we would be running immunization clinics. And we opened the doors to, we went to where the patients were and we opened the doors and there was billions of kids out there they would, the lines would be wrapping around the buildings, but they loved the nurses because we loved them. We treated them like the wonderful human beings that they were. We adored their children. Um, We asked them questions. We asked for their input. Um, We vaccinated their children and it kind of like snowballed from there. And that's when CDC was starting their, um, their nurse education for uh, vaccines, it's which evolved into the Pink Book course. It was me, Dr. Bill Atkinson, um, and a couple of other people from the health department from, from the CDC, along with every nurse that was going to be doing this project from each county in New York State, up in a hotel in upstate New York. And we spent three days with Bill and company. And I guess the rest is history. So I made friends with them. They made friends with me. And we kind of became the core of the the, the um, nurse immunization champions. And that's kind of where I got that, that, that phrasing from. Um, and it was really Bill Atkinson's idea to do this because he said, you can't have a vaccine program without, without nurses. So my reputation kind of grew because like I said, I'm funny. I take, I tell good jokes. <laughs> so before you, you know it, I was, I was getting invited all over the place and I had a wonderful health commissioner who said, go for it, honey. And she would let me go because it was great publicity for the health department to have me on the national level doing all of these things. And then nap nap, um, got to know my work and I was in, I was the, uh, I was offered a, a, um, a seat on the national vaccine advisory committee. I remember walking, I was in, in our little village and I was walking and I, that's when I got the phone call. And I was like, you picking me to do this? 
And I think it was Mary Margaret Gottesman who called me and she said, yeah, she said, we think you could do a great job. Well, lo and behold, I'm the first NP who's on this committee. The first vote that came up said the physician will be in charge of the immunization program. I said, I can't vote for that. Uh, I said, you want they wanted a unanimous vote, by the way. I said, can't vote for that. I said, you have to change the wording that says nurse practitioners or nurses can also be. uh, um, uh, leads. I said, you don't have to say in charge. You could say leads on immunization programs. Well, they changed the wording and then I voted for it. Oh my gosh. I'm not surprised a bit. And you, you're right. I mean, just talking about this, you really have made history, Mary, and you've made history as the first NP on other groups. I mean, you've been in immunize.org and other organizations. Tell us about those. Well, immunize.org, I, through my work with CDC, I met Dr. Deborah Wexler, who was the founding director, and she's now the, the director emerita of um, immunize.org, which used to be, um, 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 we changed the name, it used to be uh, Immunization Action Coalition, but now we're immunize.org because that's what everybody calls us, and we're more than just a, a coalition. We, we, there's so much. Uh, immunize.org is the leading um, source for vaccine information for healthcare professionals in the United States. So I got, like I said, I made friends with Deborah and she said, Oh, you want to serve on our advisory board? I said, Oh yeah, sure. So I kind of served as just Mary Costla Patraco. And then, um, she decided that it would be better to involve the organization. So I was NAPNAP's first representative on the advisory board for, um, in what used to be what, yeah. was yes, immunization action coalition. So I was the first, and then there have been other successors to me as well because there was a term limit. So, but that was good because what it did was it pulled more nurses in and more nurse pediatric nurse practitioners in to this vaccine family because honestly, it's a family. Everybody knows everybody else if you do this. Well, and you also have been on vaccinate vaccinate your family, right? Yes, yes, I've been on. Va- uh, Oh, well, that's another thing. That's uh, we started out as every child by two, and because it uh, the it real the organization which was started by um, Mrs. Rosalind Carter and Mrs. Betty Bumpers, and I am so honored to say I have met both of these ladies. In fact, Mrs. Rosalind Carter was the one who nominated me for um, vaccinate your family. Um, but we used to be um, every child by two, but because it's. Health doesn't stop at two years old Um, and vaccines are really a lifelong activity. So the name, the uh, the name was changed. I guess it's like three, three or I guess it's about, I lose track of time, especially with the, with the, uh, with the pandemic was three or four years ago. um, Our name was changed to vaccinate your family because we cover the entire spectrum of immunizations for the family. And honestly, it's the best place to send lay people, um, for vaccine information. It's not government supported. It's written by parents and we've got a terrific scientific advisory board. And by the way, I'm the chair of the scientific advisory board for vaccinate your family. I was until just recently, the only nurse and my colleagues are Dr. Paul Offit and Dr. Walter Arnstein. And they picked me to be the chair. How do you like that? I mean, my jaw is on the floor. I mean, talking about making history, just hearing the names that you've had and the things that you've had, that, the things that you've done and seen and the influence you have. You, we haven't even touched the surface on 
your education efforts with the American Nurses Association and the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, so many things. But you know, Mary, there's one thing that you and I do have in common. We both got our DNP right at the beginning of when that education was available. And we were both some of the first DNPs in the country, which I feel like that's the only thing I can have to have equal footing with you right now. So I'm just <laughs> going to exploit that for a moment. <laughs> but you know, what's really funny is I started that around 2008 and I did a a project on immunizations. Now, my husband is a rocket scientist who is amused at the perception I'm the smart one in the relationship. So <laughs> I often say, oh, I made an app, but really he made an app went before apps were a thing um, on <laughs> immunizations. And just recently, I went back to the PowerPoint that I did uh, when I you know, did that first presentation. And, and Mary, I was really shocked and I was really sad because I thought, Everything that I wrote back in 2008 about parental concerns on vaccines, it is the same. It feels like we haven't made any progress. And in fact, since COVID, it feels like it's worse. So how do you see COVID changing the landscape of pediatric immunizations? You know, it's really sad, Jessica. And yes, I, we, I, we, all, we were pioneers with that DNP. I was fortunate and, and really honored to be in the very first class of uh, DNP class at Stony Brook University School of Nursing. We, I, I hear now that we were handpicked um, by the dean to be in that class. So it, it, it really, it, and we did it in 18 months. We finished it <laughs> wow. in 18 months. We had I'm a not surprised class, at all. And I'm not I did surprised it. at all. Paper, publishing, the whole nine yards. It was done in 18 months. But you want to, yes, unfortunately, things have changed. I remember when the pandemic started and I kind of was like, my mind was like numb. But, you know, and all these folks that I've worked with nationally and internationally have all been very, very dear friends. Karen Ernst, who is the executive director for Voices for Vaccines. When this pandemic started, a lot of my public health colleagues were saying, this is the best thing since chopped liver for vaccines. We're going to come up with this dynamite vaccine and everybody's going to want it and everybody's going to get vaccinated and we're going to keep the kids up and we're going to get everybody done. And Karen, in her wisdom, who is a school teacher, shook her head and she said, oh, no, I think you are all sadly mistaken. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to us. The anti-vaxxers are going to make hay out of this and they're going to make mincemeat out of us. What she said was prophetic. Wow. It was prophetic because what happened was everybody for, you know, people weren't going to the, the providers for their children's well, well checks. The children were staying home from school. I mean, here in New York, they were still supposed to be vaccinated, but they were all sitting home. So how was the school nurse supposed to check anything? Um, and vaccines became an Thing, something that wasn't important to parents at that point. At that point, they were worried about their jobs, putting food on the table, keeping their kids safe and, and uh, away from everybody else so they wouldn't die of COVID. So vaccines just weren't important because they weren't seeing measles and they weren't hearing about mumps and nobody was dying of polio. So why am I worried about getting my kid vaxxed? So it became off the radar. So in that void came these anti-vaxxers and the wonderful internet. Honestly, if I could blow up the internet sometimes, <laughs> I would do it because that, that has been our nemesis. These anti-vaxxers got in there and they started putting their little feelers out into all of these mother's groups and stuff. I saw it happen in my own family with one of my two daughters-in-law. And she was like, mom, I, I, I'm, I'm scared. Look at this stuff. 
So then I had to start all over again with the same way that I speak to my patients, speaking and their mommies and daddies speaking to my 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 beloved daughter-in-law who was frightened out of her mind about what she was reading on the internet from these anti-vax folks. And I think the biggest problem that or the biggest issue that we made with with the, with the pandemic, they didn't ask for the nurse's voice. We were just totally pushed in the background. The physicians were up there saying everything. Don't get me wrong. They're good people. I love working with them. But we nurses and nurse practitioners speak differently than physicians do. We're the touchy-feely people. We're the ones asking the questions. We're the ones asking, what are your questions, mom? I hear that you're, I hear your concerns. Talk to me. Tell me what's concerning you. Let me tell you what I know about this. Did you hear the physician saying that? And that's where I think we made this horrendous mistake. So now we have to fix it and it's not going to happen overnight. So I see the way of fixing it is we NPs and nurses need to get together and keep our voices out there in the forefront, talking to parents, asking parents, what have you heard? How can I help you? Tell me what your concerns are. I want to address your concerns. These are the things that I've learned. These are the things I know. The reasons I want to vaccinate your child is because I'm afraid of what can happen if we don't. My mother had polio. I believe that her post-polio syndrome contributed to her death. Mom, you listening? I'm talking about you again. Um, I'm sure she's listening from heaven because she always wants me to keep talking. She doesn't want children to go through what she went through. My sister, my other sister almost died from measles. Um, I tell folks these stories. I tell folks about the problems we had another family member had with um, HPV associated tonsillar cancer. So that's why I want your child vaccinated. I don't want your family going through what, I, what my family went through. I tell stories. And I think by empathizing, listening, and telling stories, one by one, we can change this. It's not going to happen overnight, but I, I believe it will only change with the nurses' voices. Oh my gosh. I mean, just standing ovation, all the feelings. Yes, absolutely. About the nurse's voice, because, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, Mary, I had this tweet that went viral. It was so silly. It was a swab. It was like a kind of cartoon picture that came with a COVID kit that showed a nasopharyngeal swab going to the back of the throat. And I was frustrated and I tweeted out, you know, this is how far back the swab has to go to test you for COVID. You might want to stay home. And it went viral. I mean, my fifth grade teacher was contacting me saying, I saw this on the news. And because of that, I was invited to a press conference and it was five medical professionals and me, mostly physicians. And they're sitting there having this conversation about very level, you know, microbiological concepts. And oh. I'm sitting there listening, you know, and, and, and then they get to me and they say, what are you, what do you think? And I said, you know, I think that these things are really important things to talk about. But at home, people are just wondering, so is it safe to get the vaccine? Like, am I going to kill my grandma? Like, can I go to the grocery store? Should I wear a mask? And, and what happened in that moment was 
instantly the chat was filled with all kinds of hate. Who invited this nurse? She doesn't know anything. She can't keep up with the conversation. And something changed in me in that moment, Mary, where I realized, you know what, just because my voice is different, just because I have a different perspective, doesn't make it any less valuable. And so I so agree with you on that. And then, you know, the other piece that we have is that the, the, the narrative that, oh, even if it does, even if COVID does impact nurses, it surely doesn't impact pediatric nurses, which couldn't be farther from the truth, especially with vaccines. And when Dr. Sani and I surveyed NAPNAP, we found the number one clinical barrier was responding to misinformation. And so much of that is coming from vaccines. So how do you see all of this, looking at all of this mess, frankly, how can we change it going forward? How would you advise nurses who are responding to misinformation about vaccines? How can they use their voice to be a trusted advocate? Well, the number one thing is never stop talking <laughs> um, and never stop listening. I think our voice as the nurse advocates is, first of all, listening to our patients, asking them, what concerns you? Can you uh, tell me what you've heard and I'll tell you what I, what I know about this and building up that trust. I, we know that nursing is the number one trusted profession in this country and we have to use that nurse power to listen to our patients and to develop the trust with them. The trust has been totally blown out of the water with this pandemic because, oh, I don't trust this guy. And this one is horrible. And this one, and this one did this, and this one did something else. We nurses have to keep projecting our voices. And, you know, even if they start throwing, I mean, I've had tomatoes thrown at me. I've been called a baby killer. Um, I, I can't even tell some of the things aren't even printable that I've been called at, uh, when I've been at, at, at different events. Um, and because I'm a public health person, it's kind of even worse because I'm really public enemy number one. But, you know, for me as a public health nurse, my life's an open book. You can Google me. Uh, I mean, I was just talking to my children about that, about, you know, yeah, I had a budget, but every single dollar I spent, the public could go and take a look at where I spent it. So I think that that's what we nurses need to do. Use our nurse power to use our voices to keep saying to patients, I hear you. I want to listen to you. Please help me to help you to make good decisions for your children that are going to keep them healthy. You and I want the exact same thing. We want healthy, safe children. Tell them if you've been vaxxed. I mean, I told people my grandchildren were vaxxed. I was vaxxed. I have 100% confidence in this. And then we know if you know something about the, the vaccine. I mean, one of the issues, the things I used with my African-American families was, does anybody know who Dr. Kazmiki Corbett is? Well, let me tell you something. If you are a black family, you really should know. Everybody should know her. But she was what she's an African-American microbiologist who was one of the leads on developing this vaccine. She's got her own Twitter thing and stuff like that. So if you go, you Google her, you can find her. But how much more confidence can I give you than to have this beautiful, brilliant African-American woman out there developing the vaccine for everybody? How much more confidence can I give you that I believe in the vaccine because of people like her? And I think we need to tell those stories. Use our nurse voices to tell those stories. Well, you do use your voice in a very authentic way. And I have to ask you, I've heard you tell this story before at NAPNAP conference, but we've never had you tell it on the podcast. Why don't you tell us about 
talking to a family who had some concerns about HPV vaccine. And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So I, you know, HPV vaccine, unfortunately, when I used to go and visit the private physicians in Suffolk County, they would say, oh, parents don't want to hear about it. I said, but did you ever talk about it? Oh, no, it's too soon. It's got to do with sex. And, you know, what I say to parents, what I would say to the parents all the time, uh, um, that vaccine, let's not talk about sex. Let's talk about cancer. We have a family member who developed cancer of the tonsil. And what he had to go through was not pretty, but he survived. But better yet, if you give your child this vaccine, you're not going to have to worry about it because your child will be vaccinated. And you don't know what's going to happen. And the other thing, too, is you may have a daughter and say, oh, my daughter's never going to have any kind of sex with anybody before they get married. And Maybe she is. And I hope your daughter is the one who is like that. But can you guarantee the person she's going to marry has never, ever had sex with anybody? Um, I know what my, my children married. Um, I couldn't guarantee that. But I knew my children were protected because they had vaccine. So that's the way to look at this. It's, it's like giving your children a raincoat. Would you not give them a raincoat if they go out in the rain? Well, that raincoat you can give them is HPV vaccine. Um, and 99% of the time, I can convince that family to take that, that dose of vaccine. But I also tell them it's going to hurt. But you know what? I tell them the story about my grandma, too, because my grandma died in 1955 from cervical cancer. Um, I was seven years old when grandma died. And that's why I will never stop being Mary Koslop because that's her name. And every time I put another dose of that vaccine in another arm, I think about my grandma and I tell them about my grandma and how she's smiling down from heaven because she knows no other little girl is ever going to have to go through the third world death that she had because they weren't even doing pap smears in those days. So what better memorial can I have for my grandma than to make sure that I get as much of that vaccine in those little arms as I possibly can? See, and that is just so powerful. But you know, there may be listeners out there who are thinking, I am not Mary Koslap Petraco. <laughs> you make it sound so easy. And they look at the national landscape and they see President Trump appointing a dentist as head of the National Institute for Nursing Research, or President Biden not appointing a single nurse to the initial COVID task force. And they think, what can I do? So what are two or three just very practical, small steps they could take thinking, maybe I want to help with this. Maybe I can do something more in my practice. What are the practical things you would tell them to do? Okay. Some of the practical things that you can do is you can get involved with your, your, with NAPNAP. Um, NAPNAP has a lot of stuff on the local level for you to do that. You can, you can do speaking engagements. You can offer um, um, uh, things Invite your patients in for 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 tea and, and, and crumpets and say, hey, we're going to have tea and crumpets today and we're going to talk about why vaccines are important. And if you want to use my stories, you go right ahead and use them. If you're vaxxed yourself or your family's vaxxed, tell them that. Um, some of the other things you could do, you might want to network with your local health department. Um, there's uh, in our county and all the counties, I believe in the country, they have what they, what they call the medical reserve corps. And um, you can volunteer with them. Um, and there's all kinds of things that you can do with them. I've done some vaccine events with them. 
um, and the, the, you know, the health departments are really cash starved. I mean, it's the fact of like, <laughs> you know, everybody thinks that, in fact, it was the landscapers in my, in, in our condo association, everybody's having a hissy fit over what they pay them. They were getting $80 an hour and now they're getting $160 an hour. And I said, shucks, I have a doctorate and I take care of sick kids and little children <laughs> and I don't, I've never made that much money. So volunteer with your local health department. And ask them what you can do to help them out to get the word out. Um, if there are forums locally, um, um, don't be afraid to get in the room with the anti-vaxxers. You know, keep the smile on your face and just keep repeating the same subject, the same thing over and over again. Uh, like I said, I've been in the room with the anti-vaxxers. The health department used to send me um, because they didn't mind sending a nurse because uh, they knew I could talk about the vaccines. You know, get over the, the, the true anti-vaxxers. You are never going to get through to them. Um, Dr. Paul Offit says, write them off. There's nothing you can do about them. But the ones who are the fence sitters, which is 90 percent of the folks, because the anti-vaxxers really are not a whole lot of them, but they got a lot of money and they're very loud. So we have to be louder than they are and get the word out. Uh, like I said, have put posters up in your office, um, offer to have a little talk, get together with some parents, volunteer for, I just did a, a, a great talk with my Girl Scout, with a Girl Scout group who found me through the Medical Reserve Corps. So they asked, could you come and teach the girls about first aid? I said, can I talk about vaccines too? And they said, <laughs> oh, sure. So there I was talking about why they needed their whooping cough shots and why they needed this wonderful anti-cancer vaccine. And, you know, I got some phone calls from the parents and saying, I didn't know that. So never pass up an opportunity to talk to people. Like I said, we need to use our nurse voices at every single, talk to the Cub Scouts, talk in your church. I talk in my church. I do a lot of things in the church parking lot. I'm, I'm, I, I don't have the official title of parish nurse, but I am the parish nurse. And they all know me because I wear hats to church because they make people smile. So people stop me in the church parking lot and they say, I have a question about that flu vaccine. I heard it causes um, it causes autism in the elderly. Oh, okay. That's a fallacy. Can I tell you what I know about that? You know, here I am telling elderly people they can't get they can't get autism from influenza vaccine. So you have no idea. There's all kinds of crazy things out there. But answer questions. Make people know that you are available to answer questions for them. And that's probably the best way to get the word out there. Join NapNap. Get involved on the local level with NAPNAP. If you have other nurse practitioner organizations locally, like we have our Nurse Practitioner Association of Long Island, well, people, big people nurse practitioners don't always think of vaccines. So we peds people can get our little word in there and you'll be surprised the changes you can make with vaccinating your family people too. When you're vaccinating the children, ask them about grandma. Did grandma get her flu shot? Did she get her pneumonia shot? Has she had her shingles shot? So never pass up a chance to talk to people. Well, Mary, we just always love the chance to talk to you, our straight talk in New York friend. <laughs> tell it like it is. I love it. And it's hard to believe because I really could talk to you forever, just forever and ever. But we have arrived at the end of our show and we are asking every guest the same question to end the show. So our question is, if you could put absolutely anything anything at all in a nap nap time capsule to be opened in 50 years what would mary koslap patraco put in that time capsule well i would like to put in a video of all of the healthy children who have been vaccinated appropriately who nap nap was responsible for having members 
who were there to help those children. So we have all those smiling, healthy children. And we also um, eliminate trafficking of children as well. And those children are cared for. And it was things that you learned through NapNap that helped you to bring those children to the highest form, their highest healthy that they can be so that they can grow up to be healthy adults because of things that you learned in NapNap. Well, Mary, you just know the way to my heart. You had to throw in that anti-trafficking thing. And I did I because be- it's very near and dear to my heart. And honestly, Jessica, I want to thank you because I knew nothing about that. And um, it's really tough for me because, you know, I guess I should say this publicly. I, I have, I've said it publicly. I was abused as a child. So it's really difficult for me to um, to do the interventions. But I certainly can watch for those children and through a lot of the things that I learned with your program with the anti-trafficking. So that's another really great program that NAPNAP supports. Well, that is just the power of the nursing voice and the importance of trauma-informed care and being just as kind to ourselves as we are to our patients. I mean, that is so important. Mary, thank you so much for being on Team Pete's Talks. We appreciate you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Team Peds Talks, 50 Forward, Forging Our Future, brought to you by the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners. If you like this series, be sure to look for other episodes and explore our other series on pediatric health and advanced practice nursing. Visit napnap.org and click on the Team Peds Talks menu item under the Continuing Education tab. The conversations are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Search Team Peds Talks on your app, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on anchor.fm. Please join us again next time, and thank you for listening.